Hello traders, good morning. Very, very warm welcome to today's uh, Trading the European Open Live Trade Room, which is your opportunity to try and capitalize on some of the best trading on some of the best trading opportunities that we can uh, we can get our hands on today. So uh, we've just had our pre-market trade plan session, which is uh, which the results of which we've just posted into the chat box there. So if you want to have a look at that. We do have a mild risk on market condition and we use the word mild um it's quite a good description really but um we've we've then identified six fairly decent trading opportunities it's it is around this kind of risk on sort of equity higher um weaker dollar type uh trading conditions so um that's all fine now it's a case for us to go into these markets to search for the best opportunities and see if we can pull the trigger on any of these trades so good morning, everyone. Hope you're all keeping well. Good to have you with us as always. Um, we will uh, we will we'll get started. Then please uh, take a brief moment to familiarise yourself with our risk warning uh, currently up on screen. And uh, let's start with these market fundamentals. Then, so just very briefly, we do have important news this afternoon, and it's uh, core PPI numbers. Um, We've got retail sales thrown in there as well, but PPI month on month. Um, producer price index, so input costs, are they going up or down or are they stabilizing? That's um, that's the question we, we need to ask ourselves. Over the last few hours, we've heard from the BOJ. Um, they've, they've kept rates and, and they've kept that accommodative stance. There was probably talk as to whether they'd kind of loosened because inflation is pushing higher in Japan. But that's clearly kind of what the BIJ have been uh, have been searching for. So they don't want to let go of the inflation. They actually want to try and keep it in place. So they're trying to, you know, be more accommodative to perhaps encourage, you know, a little bit more inflation. So it is a dangerous game, but it's a game perhaps the Japanese economy is kind of probably worth um, worth playing. But what we've seen is um, like the Nikkei push higher and we've seen the yen weaken quite considerably so we'll we'll have a look at that carefully just to see if there is um further weakness because we've had a very sizable move already today uh, in the yen pairs um so the problem we have when we see markets that move like that is um is whether we've seen most of them move already uh, will we get continuation today or will we probably get continuation tomorrow or the day after? So these are the things that kind of go through our heads really when we're trading these markets. Uh, UK CPI numbers coming in very, very high, but in line with expectations and certainly lower than a couple of months ago. So is inflation peaking and rolling over to the downside? We'll have to wait and see. Um, I suppose the inflation side of things is uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword for the UK economy, so it can uh, it can actually benefit under conditions of, of inflation. They just don't want it to get out of hand. So again, inflation is something that is a double-edged sword, and if a central bank gets it wrong on inflation, it's it's uh, it does bring about um, very significant consequences. So let's see how this inflation story plays out. So really the focus for the for the markets now is today's PPI numbers. So those input costs, will they go up, will they go down, or will they stay the same? 
Right, so the markets we're looking at then, we're looking for a bit of softening in the pound. So, uh, well, we, we want the pound to come back to 2300, uh, not too far away from there now as we speak. Um, dollar Swiss, further downside, so we'll have a look at that. Dollar CAD is probably close to, 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 to moving. And the Aussie dollar up at those highs as well. In addition, we're looking at US oil. See if we get above that uh, 81.50 level. It looks like we're close to it now. And um, further upside for the US indices. Okay, so uh, let's let's uh, let's put these levels up so we can see clearly kind of what we're doing. US oil. Um, okay, sorry, bear with me there one second. Sorry about that interruption there, guys. Apologies. Um, so we're getting close to pulling these triggers, you see. So uh, let's let's have a look at... We'll, we'll get into all of these. Sorry, we, we'll have a look into all of these. Um, we might get these decent moves between now and... Um, So the Swiss franc is the other one. So, so we'll have a look at the, the, the dollar CAD. We might, we might cherry pick the oil market above the dollar CAD.
Okay. Okay, a bit of a strong positive reaction. So would have liked this market to have come back to the, uh, the 2300. Um, not too far away. we've got a few a few issues with each of these trades but um I do have these little levels in here so ideally the entry would be around the 1719 level um with stop loss around the 69.72 so even at this price, you're still looking at pretty much a 50 pip stop loss, uh, which is fine. You know, it would there would be you know decent upside here. We would assume uh, above these little levels, perhaps the next level higher is the 71.32. So it's exactly 100. So we're risking 50 to make 100. That's perfectly within the the framework of our approach. We'll have a look at oil. Um, it looks like we need a bit of a pullback as well in the dollar Swiss. So this is just a, a nice linear move. So we do need a pullback to get into that trade to the downside. Uh, US oil, let's, uh, this is a trade that, so we've got a, we've got a few reasons to, to look at this. Firstly, this is a, a strong uh, level of support resistance. So we've got some resistance in these levels. We've got this. If you if you if you play this out, we've got a and kind of an ascending triangle. So narrowing a price action with a bit of sort of upside momentum. We've got this diagonal level coming through yesterday's trade, which is why we had to back off it. And we've got the hundred period moving average in there as well. So really above the eighty fifty eight, um, we can probably expect to see if we can take this to the upside and we can use today's daily low as a as as a stop loss so actually today's trade are, are it fits much better today than it did yesterday so the low is the 80 80 level so a nice small stop loss as well with the trade so it gives us more upside um, potential so let's say we get in at 81.60 um We've got the 80.80 as a, as a stop loss. That's an 80, 80 cent or 0.8 of a dollar, 0.8 of a dollar um, stop loss. 
and we can easily look for I suppose a two dollar gain. Um, so that's kind of two and a half times uh, our risk in the trade. So all of that fits in nicely. Um, we do need these prices to get above these more recent highs. You can see it's kind of struggling to do so. So we get above those highs now, we can look to get in. And then, like I said, our stop loss. The daily low is actually at the 80.80. The next low is, is much lower down. 79.53. So that will give it a $2 risk. So we'll just look for the breakout to the upside. Swiss is a bit, bit easier to kind of grapple with. We do have this low in here. We're below the monthly low. So all of these things fit in quite nicely. We want to pull back into 91.87 and then we can get in on that rollover trade to the downside with potentially a stop loss of the 92.45. Yeah, that, that, that can certainly work. With you know, If we look on the daily time frame, We've been drifting sideways now since early December, uh, and then now we're breaking to the downside. So the question becomes, is there is there much more downside? And the answer is yes, short term. Um, so down to 90.88, first put a call, um, and then, then beyond. So um, we're just, it's kind of a double top on here. It's just a lot of, an awful lot of, these are weekly candlesticks. So one, two, three, four, five, six. You know, six weeks of indecision, really, for the dollar Swiss. And now we're getting that next trigger to the downside. So let's put these uh, these levels up, guys, so we can see uh, hopefully quite clearly uh, what we're trading, the directions in which we're trading them, um, and the price that we would need to trigger these opportunities at. So we've actually got yesterday's high in the US indices. So with the S&P, I just want to push this I'll put this lower level just up a bit higher. So it's the uh, 40, sorry, 4,018 is our constructive buy trade in the S&P. That level for the NASDAQ is the 11,618. The caveat for these markets is today's PPI numbers. It might create a bit of, uh, it might support these markets, but it could also create a bit of volatility. So we've um, we've taken yesterday. We got into two small trades. Um, we, we reduced down our trade size because of the nature of kind of this these sort of bland market conditions at the moment. They're not really.
they certainly seem relatively slow moving. So we get long periods of nothing and then, you know, short periods of kind of explosive market moves. So there's just arguments to buy and sell uh, these uh, global indices, but at the moment they continue to sort of grind higher. So that's what we're going to stick with. So some upside moves in the S&P and the NASDAQ. Um, gold, we can now get in above the 81.61. If we just get above that level, we, we've got the 80.80 as a stop loss. So that can be a fairly straightforward. And that's the daily low as well. So um, and we'd be above the 100 period moving average and um, and above all those sort of technical resistance levels at that point. So we'd feel a little bit more comfortable about, about executing the trade. Okay, so our bias is slightly different in each of these markets. So with the um, with the pound, we do want this market to come back into this zone 2300. And then we can look to pull the trigger to the upside. Um, Let's have a look at the Aussie dollar. We do have these highs in here, but we've also got, you know, if we did get a pullback into the uh, 7,000 level, basically, that would give us a decent opportunity. So what we'll do is we'll convert it to the hourly And then in terms of execution, we want to see a bit of a pullback into that zone. And then we want to get the next leg to the upside. Um, pullback into the 90.87, somewhere around there. And then we look to take that, that trade to the downside. So for these dollar pairs, we're just going to have to, you know, be a little bit patient with the trade. You know, we saw these move, uh, sort of an hour ago, um, our breakout, should we say. And now we've extended in, in either to the upside or to the downside. And now we're just looking for the, the pullback in these trades as well. Uh, and our bias is, is pretty bearish uh, in line with our trade plan, of course. Uh, mild risk on conditions, this is what we're looking for. We're not really getting them just yet, but we'll see what, what happens. Uh, bear with me there one second, please.
Hello, everyone. Sorry about that little interruption there. I apologize. Um, okay, so look, we, we, we kind of have our plan in place. Um, as we know, we always get, we don't always get, but um, the majority of the time we get breakouts and then we get pullback opportunities and we're looking for pullback opportunities uh, across the dollar pairs. Um, we'd prefer to get into US oil rather than the dollar CAD. We're currently pulling back off the highs. So we haven't been able to trigger any trades just yet, but we're hopeful we'll be able to do so pretty soon. And, uh, you know, up on screen, we've got, oh, good morning, Fimba. Hope you're well. Uh, we've got um, markets that we can't really pull the trigger with just yet, but um, we could be close to US oil, you know, getting up, getting above the 8061. You see, there's strong resistance around these levels, so I'm not surprised. Um, that there's uh, some some selling kicking in at these levels. So the pound dollar, we need something that provides us with a little bit more value in terms of getting into these trades. Uh, dollar Swiss, we've had the breakout trade. Now we need the pullback. The Aussie dollar, kind of pull back into these previous highs, and and then we can look to execute trades from there. So we're looking for breakouts across the uh, the S&P, the NASDAQ and US oil, and we're looking for pullback trades in the pound dollar, the dollar Swiss and the Aussie dollar. So just to get you up to speed with those. Yeah, fair enough, Fimba. Yeah, it's a busy time of year, isn't it? Not to mention dark and very cold. So yeah, not too far away from February now. There always seems to be um, a lot more optimism in, in in February. So hang in there. It's the dark mornings that I hate. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? few more weeks and I think we'll start coming out the other end now. January just seems to be one of those months that people just want, <laughs> want to get through. Uh, just as a, yeah, certainly is, certainly is. Um, just as a little sort of reference, really, um, we've got uh, the dollar weakening across the board, which is a trade, of course, we want to get into. But if we get in at these extended highs, we've got, it really impacts our ability to 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 take the trade if, if we look at this low down here um we, we've got a 
we've got a couple of technical levels up at these levels, but either way, you're, you're sort of looking at, let, let's say above the 92.45 in here as a stop loss. And that means if your entry is down here at the 91.59 and you've got uh, the 92.50 as a stop loss, for example, you know, you, you are technically looking at the best part of 100 pip stop loss. And the problem with that is if you've got um, 100 pip stop loss in the trade and you trade with a uh, two to one risk reward, risk reward ratio, which is what we do, you know, we every one we risk, we look to get two back in return. Um, however, the other caveat that we have is looking to let those winners run. So we're quite happy to to try and maximize our winning trades when we get that opportunity. But when they hit that sort of two to one risk reward, that's kind of our profit taking zone. And then we kind of manage them slightly differently. We, we often remove risk. We often uh, give that opportunity more time to, to, to make progress. And if we're making money, we'll let it go. It's only when that market starts to turn around will we get out of that trade. Uh, most of the time. Occasionally, we just want to get to that particular two-to-one risk reward for very specific reasons and we book in profit and we go again and look for the next opportunity. So if we're operating our two-to-one uh, positive risk-reward ratio, then that means our uh, we have a a take profit of around uh, 200 pips. TP for take profit. And you've got to ask yourself, if, if this market moves, you know, 80 pips to the downside and we're day traders, are we likely at this point to add another 200 pips to the downside? And are we likely to uh, plus 80 pips from the kind of the, in, the initial breakout. So are we, are we likely to see a 280 pip, pip move in this market? Right, this is where some, some further analysis can come in quite nicely because if we look at the dollar, the dollar Swiss and we look at something like the ATR, it's an average true range, it's here at the bottom of the screen. It gives you, it shows you what the range is over the last 20 periods. So if we look at the daily time frame, which is a much bigger, bigger time frame, um, we can see that today's ATR is 83 pips. So if you add up the highs and the lows over the last 20 periods, which is the last month, so it's, it's, it's a near-term snapshot of volatility for this market. If we add up, uh, the highs and lows over the last 20 days, which would be four weeks, basically a month of trading. And there's some big days in here as well. You know, if you're looking at these, if you're looking at these candlesticks over here, they're quite small. These ones are quite big. So it does push this uh, ATR up slightly higher. And you can see the, the, the you know, the, the, the positive impact that it's kind of had. But even with all of this in mind, we see an average range of, of 83 pips per day. So if we've moved, and let's see what today's 
move is already so from 92.45 to 91.50 so our average range over the last month is 83 pips and we've already moved 90 pips in this market so I, I suppose the question is you know putting it back to you guys is it is it a logical decision for us to, to expect this market to move an extra 200 pips and we're day traders so over the course of the day maybe going in tomorrow are we likely to hit that extra 200 pip mark because we're getting in on the low of our candlestick which is uh if we look at atr has already exhausted its daily move and we're talking about you know percentages here aren't we so we're talking about not perhaps the outcome of this one particular candlestick today we're talking about our decision making on a consistent basis you know on an ongoing basis do we want to sell a trade at its low when it's already you know traded through its average true range over the last month can we expect an additional 200 pip move you know to be able to sort of realize um that trade for us with, with our with our strategy and approach so what's more likely absolutely finba what's more likely is you, you'll get a you know a pullback into this little zone in here so when we when we talk about trading and we talk about a trading edge and, and looking to stack the odds in your favor you, you actually need to be able to do it in a very kind of logical straightforward manner and that's taking these things into account and for us you know under these terms with our approach with 100 pips stop loss trading the low it, it doesn't stack up for us it doesn't make any sense now the alternative and what we would like to happen is this if we pull back into the 9187 you know and we've got um you know like a, a 60 pip stop loss then the the profile can begin to change pretty quickly so if we went through that same process so if we have that 60 pip stop loss and um you know we have a positive risk reward and it gives us 120 pip move uh take profit pip take profit you know that means we're, we're entering at this level we have a stop loss up here at 60 pips away um and we're looking for two times our risk to the downside so by the time we make these new lows we've already pretty close to that 60 pip level we've already seen one for one and now we're just looking at can we get this market moving from here to here that's much more likely than this situation over here if we're talking about percentages now it might not be today so we might have to say look we've already if we get into this trade we've already um we've already seen the average true range for the day so are we like to see a multiple of that today probably not probably i mean that's the key we're talking about percentages and, and whether there's a high probability or a low probability so for us there's a high probability that we might have to wait till tomorrow and, and get that type of candlestick tomorrow because this is a, a breakout of a monthly so so this type of trade fits in with our approach and makes sense this type of trade unfortunately doesn't and 
you know, we can obviously do all this pretty swiftly uh, without having to sort of go through and explain this in, in an awful lot of detail. So sometimes we make these decisions and say, right, we, we need to wait for the pullback. But this is why, because it presents, you know, if, if a market flushes to the downside, and if we're not in the breakout, that's where we'd like to be. We'd like to be in it around this sort of price, the breakout trade. Uh, that would be the ideal trade. But um, we weren't able to get into that. So the next thing now is the pullback. And waiting for that pullback is not just, you know, it's not just a good thing to do or, or you know, the right thing to do. It's, it's, it's crucially important to our strategy and methodology. Because, of course, if, if we're not able to react in a consistent manner and make consistent decisions, we're, we're going to struggle to make any money out of these markets. So that's just explaining kind of the the process that we go through. And, that, and that's why we can't sort of sell the lows. It doesn't matter whether it's this price or whether it's 100 pips lower. It doesn't fit in with our approach because we want to focus a bit more on probability. What's the probability of a, a successful outcome in this trade? Well, if we're selling the out and out lows at the, at the low of a break, it doesn't stack up at all for us. So, um, so just wanted to explain that in a little bit more uh, detail. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you see, it creates a bit of value, doesn't it, Finbar, if, if, if the price pulls back. But what I'm saying is it's, it's more profound than that. It's, more, it's far more important than that. Um, it's actually an essential requirement to get this market to pull back for us. Um, and we're only looking for, you know, we're down at 91.55. We're looking at 91.90 perhaps. You know, with a stop loss above 92.50. So you're talking about a 60 pip stop loss if prices come back into that level. And then the trade can work. But selling 100 pips lower than the price we would like to get into is not a great idea. Um, getting in 30, 40 pips lower on a pullback is a little bit easier to stomach and a little bit easier to stick to in terms of a, a trading strategy and approach. So if it did its ATR this morning for the day, it could be a very slow pullback and not not do an ATR pullback. Um, the problem with ATR is we only look at it on a daily time frame. So um, ATR average true range doesn't make much difference on the smaller time frames, just purely because it's only a, a small time frame. It's a small snapshot. Um, I suppose you could argue you could use it probably on the four hour and the one hour maybe see the volatility over the last 20 candlesticks so the last 20 hours is volatile over the last 20 hours that important not really because it's a day's worth of volatility and as we know we can get an explosive day today tomorrow we could get absolutely nothing so it's perhaps not as reliable as looking at the last 20 days so we only use atr on the daily time frame we don't use it on the smaller time frames just to clarify um 
okay so you you were talking about the the daily atr so um if it did atr this morning for the day it could be a very slow pullback and not do an atr pullback i'm not sure what an atr pullback is <clears throat> you see if we if we see when you're using language like that um if you have an ATR of 60 pips and price pulls back 60 pips from those, then I suppose what you'll see is you'll probably see that candlestick begin to turn a different color. Um, yeah, 90 pips will be quite slow in, in pulling back. I, I completely agree, but we're not looking for a 90 pip pullback. Um, we've got these lows in here. We've got the monthly low just sitting at a slightly higher 92.01. So we're down at, let's say, 91.60. Uh, we're looking at a 30 to 40 pip pullback is what we're looking for. So we're not looking for prices to come all the way back up to this level because we've got other levels of potential resistance just at slightly higher prices. So we're, we're just going to just be patient really with the trade. We're kind of getting a pullback in the Aussie dollar. We just needed to come back to 7,000, the, the 70 uh, cent level really is what we're looking for, 70 cents in the dollar. Uh, any further questions, guys, don't hesitate. And yeah, um, we, we might very well need to be patient on those pullback trades. Let's look at the Aussie dollar in the 15 minute. So we're just waiting for this market to just, you know, fall into a trap almost. Pull back to that level and then we'll get the next leg to the upside. And so we're not really getting much progress out of the US indices. So maybe they're just waiting for the PPI numbers to fall into place now. Uh, pound, dollar, dollar, Swiss. Need that pullback oil. We know there's strong resistance um, around this 81.50 level. So let's just see how it performs and let's see if we can get this little pullback trade begin to kick in. All righty, guys. Um, so if there's no further questions, we'll um, we'll put on some analysis. I'm sure there'll be some information about um, today's PPI numbers, which are all about input costs for producers, those that produce all the products that we, we consume. Uh, is the cost for them going up or down? Um, we'd probably anticipate it's probably mildly softening, but, um, and it's only really a prelude to uh, CPI numbers. So 
if the producer costs are going up, then that will probably have a bigger impact on um, the consumer in terms of paying higher prices. If they're flatlining or they're coming down a little bit, it'll probably have a positive impact on, on, on consumer prices in terms of um, slightly softer prices. But it's only one of many metrics which uh, which will influence um, prices to come down. It's, it's not the only one. It's one of you know a few important aspects. So yeah, this is why sort of patience is, is quite an important feature. Okay. Nation ahead of potentially a disruption in the energy system. Hopefully, you can hear that, guys, as we um, we just be a little bit patient, maybe at the stage. So, what we're seeing in the energy market now is that in the short term, there is uh, it's bad news for the climate because there is more coal production and so on. But longer term, I do think that the crisis we see now will accelerate the move into renewable infrastructure uh, and renewable energy. So I do think longer term, there is, a, there is a positive development. Now, then you have the whole thing about backlash against ESG, and we think it's really, really seriously bad. You know, we, do, we think that ESG, that is just not politics, it's common sense. And taking to the extreme, in an, an inhabitable world, the value of all fund is zero, right? So it's clear that climate is important for financial assets. The other issue that people are talking about at Davos is a bipolar world, this idea of the West versus China, and this question about rising tensions. Does that factor into any of your discussions with boards in terms of security issues in light of what happened with Russia, in light of the uh, invasion uh, of Ukraine? Is that also part of those kinds of ESG conversations? I don't think it's part of ESG as such. And I think that's probably a, an, an area where boards are doing, doing quite well, is to think about uh, their supply chains. And, and so on, but you know, clearly uh, a reversal of globalization is, is not great, generally. A lot of investors who I've been speaking with, and I want to wrap up here, 
just are obsessed with central banks and what they're going to do next and whether they're going to raise the 25 basis points or 50 basis points. Do you track that? Is that something on your radar? Do you care about whether they drop too soon or they raise rates earlier? I mean, you have to care. But what, how do you factor that into what you do? Well, it's the, it's the very big uh, question for us uh, is what will happen with, uh, with rates around the world. Uh, there is a risk that they will stay high uh, for longer. There is a risk that uh, when China comes back in, it could re-accelerate. I mean, these are risks that we look at and that we have to take into consideration. Do you trade this trade every day? <laughs> uh, we uh, we have a lot of rebalancing and trades. We got a lot of PMs, and so the answer is yes, we do we do trade every day. I don't trade personally. <laughs> Uh, but, okay, um, but maybe we could go skiing on a tangent of the Norwegian sovereign wealth fund who did not wear his Norwegian hat, much to much red for his interview. Back to you uh, over in London, Tom. Maybe next. A fascinating conversation, Lisa. Thank you very much indeed. Particularly zero in on his comments around inflation risks linked to China and quite the line there on corporate greed in the US uh, getting ahead of itself. It's gone too far, he said. Talking of China. Uh, we have had a meeting now between the U.S. Uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, of course, and her counterpart in China, Neil Burr, who's on the ground uh, in Zurich, and a couple of lines coming through. So look, we we'll wait for these pullbacks to kick in. The they US nearly always come. So uh, can we be patient and get better value in these trades? That's the question. From the Chinese side, then the Chinese Vice Premier Neil Burr, who was charged uh, with economics in that country, saying that. Uh, they must manage both sides of US-China differences and maintain relations, saying that US-China must have serious macro climate coordination. Let's check in on the markets then. There's been some interesting moves, particularly within FX. You'll remember, of course, the Japanese yen falling like a stone at the start of the session. Those losses are paired to some extent. The yen now trading 129 versus the US dollar. That's a drop of 1.3% after the BRJ reiterated its conviction around yield curve control, of course, for now, then around the Rome 19, saying the other see, kicking the can down uh, the road. The euro as well, rallying uh, up four tenths of percent at 108 on the back of comments from Villeroy, uh, the Bank of France governor, saying that the 50 basis points guidance from Madame Lagarde is still valid. The pound also getting a bit up 123, again, a four tenths of a percent. Yields higher on front end German debt in two years. That's pretty you see, this, this ATR is, is the reason why we, we don't want to jump into the dollar-yen. Uh, it's the reason why we don't want to be buying the euro-yen up to these highs and the pound-yen. Not just, just to mention the, uh, the, the example I went through in detail uh, a minute ago in terms of um, uh, your profitable risk-reward on these trades. So what, what this does, when we see this little spike uh, feed in and across the board for the yen, you know, we're, we're maxing out perhaps to a multiple. Uh, let's just take the euro yen, for example. Um, the average true range on the daily time frame, that's an important factor, is um, 1.48. So we're looking at basically 150 pip range um, is what we would expect if we look at trading over the last month in this market. Now, it's, it's the BOJ, so it's slightly... It's a news event, basically, but the highs and lows, um, 141.68 and a low of 138.32. So you're looking at 300, and, for argument's sake, 340 pip range uh, in today's trading. The average is 150. So that's more than two times the, the normal range that we're likely to see. And... 
are we likely to see more? Probably not. Over the course of the whole trading day, uh, 90 times out of 100, we, we'll fail to break above these highs. And that, that, that's good for us because it, it stops us from getting into it. And what we'll often do is if when we see a move like this, we'll think, right, okay, that's interesting. So if we get above 131.59, we're off to the upside. Uh, depending on what happens today. And with the, with the euro yen, pound yen, because it means that the market has had a, a, an opportunity to react, which is what we've seen. Then it digests, it kind of pulls back in it. And it, it, it also looks at this price action thing, that, that's quite extreme. We're not likely to get any value in that trade, so we'll back off it. But tomorrow, if we add to it, it does mean continuation. And it means that the, you know, there's a lot of traders and investors around the world looking to further weaken the yen. Um, and and that's, that's worth getting into. So it'll be interesting to monitor today. Uh, it'll be interesting to monitor today um, the yen. We would probably doubt that we will get above these daily highs today, but let's wait and see. Anything's possible. Um, and again, what we're talking about is making consistent decisions time after time again. So we want to get our head out of this one particular trade and we, we want to make the same decision you know, 99 times out of 100. Very rare occasions would we make a slightly different decision, but the vast majority of the time we continue to make, you know, pure consistent decisions. Like if we can really see, if you look at the market fundamentals, um, all, all they've, all, all the BIJ have done is reaffirmed their position, which they've had for uh, 15 years now. So that's not a massive news. If they came forward and said, Oh, we're having a complete change of policy. Let's say we're going to continue to tighten. We're going to go from minus 0.1 to minus 0.5. And the markets have not priced that in. That's a completely different situation because we would expect the yen to sell off drastically if that was the case. Because it means the BOJ are wanting to be ultra accommodative. Um, you'll see a flood of capital come out of the yen. It'll go elsewhere. So will it go to the dollar? Uh, we'll have to probably wait and see. I mean, it's not going to happen, but if something like that did happen and we moved um, 150 pips and we prices are pulling back, under those strict conditions, we would probably be advocates of selling the yen at any kind of possible opportunity because it's such a market moving event. We would probably over the course of the next two, three, four days, we probably see five, 600 pip correction. So the fact that it's moved 100, 150 uh, looks like good value if, if we're anticipating a 500, 600,000 pip move, uh, which, you know, which we've seen. If you, if you look at this, uh, you know, up at 150, up at these highs, and we're down at 129, you know, that's a 2,000 pip move uh, in three months. So, you know, the, these sorts of, Pip returns are very, very possible. Now we're day traders, so we don't really want to sit in this market for three months. Um, but you know the opportunity's there, and um, we we have done at various different points, taken some, and and look at look at how this market is um, is unfolding. So you have these long periods of sideways moving markets, and then you ultimately get the get the breakout 
and it keeps happening time after time again. So at each occasion, you know, you're seeing one or two days of downward price action, three days, one day, uh, two days. So that's why the overall bias can be to the downside. And that's why, you know, that's another reason as well, perhaps not to be buying the dollar yen up at these heights. Now, somebody is, or somebody has been, um, but what it did is it gave an opportunity for sellers to start selling at that level. So these are all the, the, the nuances really behind these markets. That's going to be easier over time, but you know, you do need, um, I suppose the experience under your belt, not, not to get ultra excited and to be jumping in at these highs. <coughs> if you take the ATR, if you take, you know, the actual news event itself and um it's very easy to sort of say well actually this isn't you know enough shattering uh market moving event the market has corrected because there was an expectation for the the boj to perhaps loosen their control over the um to further loosen their control over the yield curve and they've reaffirmed their uh their yield co curve control policy again uh, this morning so Yes, the market had priced in something differently, which is why you're getting a correction. You know, you're getting that discount feed through the yen with some weakness. So all of these things kind of fit together really quite nicely. Right. Uh, sorry, guys, I digress. So we're now back into this little zone. So if we want to trigger um, a potential buy trade, we we are, are able to do so. In fact, let's let's get that deal ticket ready. Let's look at this price at this smaller level. We've got our stop loss in here as well. So make sure you control your trade sides. So it's the uh, 6972, was it 6972, yeah. And we're continuing to push lower. We're making new lows on the minute time frame. So 6972, so I'm uh, sorry, we take two times the spread, 68, 69, 68. So if we're getting in that, seven zero zero five okay this is a this is a strong drop we're still in the in the realms of um of getting into the trade let's see if we get the pullback elsewhere yes we are in the pound dollar and a little bit in the dollar swiss but so we're still in sort of buying territory let's see if we can put a halt to this little downward trajectory or will we get further continuation lower so we've got a deal ticket open. We've calculated our trade size, so we're not exposing any more capital than we would like to. And we're just wanting a turnaround around this sort of price point here. So let's see if we get a close. And if we get some further upside, let's see what happens on the close. Does it begin to look a bit bullish or, or, or will it be really weak close? And will we get further downside? So we can make all these decisions. So instead of buying around the 70-30, and having a 60, 70 pips stop loss, 
we, we, we've we've waited patiently for a port so look we got the close so if we get above this little high in here we pull the trigger and get into it so we're getting very close to getting in and triggering a buy trade in the aussie dollar Right, there we go. There's our entry. So it's above the uh, 70 cent level. Get into it across the board. So are we in a similar position just yet? Not, not quite. <clears throat> and our trades are not really enforced by the US indices just yet, um, but I think we can ease ourselves into these dollar pairs. Okay, it's the only trade that's giving us an opportunity to get into it. So this is how we can sort of ease yourself into uh, get into the Aussie dollar. Clearly, it's not the right time for the dollar Swiss, pound dollar. But if one of these markets, you know, pulled back into these, um, look at it on the 15 minute time frame again. So what we've done is this market has all it's done is pull back in line with our expectations. That's all it's done. And we're getting in 30 odd pips higher or better than what we would do if we were sort of getting in above the high. So it's just practicing that kind of discipline really to just wait and be patient. So the Aussie dollar is giving us the first opportunity. Um, we'll see, it looked like the pound was giving us an opportunity in the dollar Swiss. So we've done our analysis on the bigger time frame. So we've already broken out above or below those important levels on the daily time frame. Uh, you can see the dollar Swiss, for example. You can see the sideways nature, and this is the breakout trade. So this is what we're trying to, you know, over the course of the trading day, we're trying to get involved in that trade. And that trade, of course, fits with our indices higher trades as well. So we've got risk on, even though they're not really doing much just yet. 
and we've got a weaker dollar. So all of that kind of fits in with kind of the overall sort of mood of these markets as well. So um, hopefully that makes a bit of sense. And we're just stalking, we're, we're basically stalking US oil, we're stalking the pound dollar, we're stalking the dollar Swiss, but they, they do need to act as per our expectations, otherwise we can't pull the trigger on the trade. Side is really being, you know, uh, selected depending on asset class. So commodities, uh, rates, macro uh, have good years. Credit, I mean, it, 
we've charted the course for some time, so credit is very mixed. And then equities, volatility, desks have really done well, whereas, you know, you see little by of conviction buying. So cash equity has been kind of uh, more more muted. So in terms of compensation, in the US, we think that US bonuses will, will be down. Europe, uh, you just say? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, it's, you know, the performance hasn't been there. So, I mean, it's not even a, a and people understand, I mean, this is kind of, you know, if the performance isn't there, it, you know, you don't expect it. Yeah, so you don't, so you don't worry about talent, you know, retention or leadership or anything like that, because it's, it's I, I, don't know, I don't think so. And, and generally, where at times like this, when you're a Jake Morgan, you have the flight to quality, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, in what business is happening, you know, we, we, we do end up partaking a lot of the activity. Uh, but really, I think uh, the payful performance culture is in the way. Talk to me a little bit about whether you know, some of the staff needs to move around. I know you did a, a push, for example, into Paris, uh, into France because of Brexit. Does that continue or is it on hold? I think we have changed our steady state as it relates to Brexit. We were, we were very early, and so a lot of the moves that had to be done, you know, they've they happened. And, and I, you know, it's nicely settled now. I think you know, we have all the folks there where we, we, we need it, and, and I think. It's, it's working, you know, uh, pretty well. Um, in terms of our investments, though, I think clearly, you know, Chase International has been a, uh, a big push for us, so we continue to hire in the UK. So, so in the UK, we still have, you know, an excess of 18,000 people, so it's still a lot of good for us. Is the UK stabilizing? So it's interesting to, you know, not see the Prime Minister, not see the Chancellor here, but there is a shadow Chancellor, there is a, the, the uh, shadow Prime Minister, the Labour leader. Yeah. So look, I would, I would say, the UK is feeling the same kind of the economic kind of cross currents that pretty much every major nation, G7, even emerging markets, so that they all, everyone's feeling the same uh, cross currents. But there's a bit of a kind of a nuance in the UK. Um, and I would say the nuances are clearly there is a, um, a kind of a, an economic Brexit impact which needs to be replenished and, and that is work in progress. Um, unemployment is good, so the rate is low, around three and a half percent. But the workforce, you know, the labor force participation rate is really low, and you know, and, and that, and, and that's true of the United States as well. You know, a big chunk of the workforce simply hasn't, you know, returned to work, and I think that that leads to improve. And then finally, it's fiscal policy, and, and and actually, our equity strategists uh, have the UK among their top picks. No. Purely from valuation point of view. So notwithstanding these kind of these little idiosyncrasies, we, you know, if you take, you know, there are some fantastic companies, um, multi-currency others, serving cost base, um, and, and I think there's real kind of there's real valuation no. uh, upside. Does it feel better to, to be in the city of London? Because we it feels like the Sunak government is trying to take care of the city a bit more with you know, for example, stopping the very fencing and things like that. Are, are they taking notice? Have you had meetings with them? Yeah, we do. And I think it, it, the, the partnership between you know government, treasury, the financial institutions, uh, and the whole financial system is, is always been very, very good. You know, through the financial crisis, you know, through COVID, I mean, it's it's very iterative, it's very hands-on. Same with the regulators. I think they do a, a fabulous job, and and they are kind of really managing within the the constraints that are imposed on them. So you know. So in terms of activity, you do what you are able to do within the kind of framework. So it is working from home over. Look, we have most of our people back in the office. I think it, you know it's, it's there's a 
you know, there, there's a there's a spring in people's steps, and it's really good having people back. So uh, I'm not sure it's over, but I think the hybrid format, it will, it, it might be organizations will discover their own kind of formula, and I think it will be very nice. Liz, thank you so much for coming on today. Of course, that was the JP Morgan EMEA Chief Executive Officer of this Ragtime. We'll have plenty more, of course, throughout the day coming up. What does it mean to be contrarian when you have 1.3 trillion dollars of investments? The Chief Executive of the Norwegian Wealth Fund, if you like, Ian tells us that interview is next, and this is Google. So talk to me a little bit about the ocean. It covers 70% of the planet, it gives us food, it gives us jobs, it gives us, of course, oxygen. We're taking too many fish out, we're polluting it, we're making it warmer, and only 3% of it is protected. What frustrates you the most about this? The basic frustration is our ignorance. Our ignorance about how integral ocean is to not only our well-being, but to our existence. Uh, and for far too long, we've been using the ocean as an endless resource in a garbage can. Imagine our planet is a three-dimensional system. The ocean represents 99% of our world's living space, about 3.4 billion cubic kilometers of volume, within which the vast majority of biodiversity lives and thrives. And, and that's what we're beholden to. That is what makes us possible as a species. Executives encourage them to avoid corporate greed. Now, Tangan told us 
what is changing in the funds and investment philosophy. Uh, contrarian, of course, means to try to do the opposite of everybody else, and um, that's where all the money is. I mean, if you are if you are right in a contrarian way, you will uh, do much much better, and that's kind of the philosophy we try to install increasingly amongst other traders and our portfolio managers. What does that mean in terms of specifics here? What is sort of the common thought that you would lean against? Well, I thought it was much easier last year to be contrarian because it was it was clear that you know with so much negative rates that there was one way they could go. Um, a lot of people selling out of the integrated uh, oil and energy companies, you know, that seemed like a, a good place to be. Um, and um, equities at a high level. Now I think it's much more difficult to know what contrarian is. Uh, there is uh, less of a clear trend and there is less of a clear positioning in the market. You mentioned energy equities, which they well, which led the rally that we saw last year, and yet you have a complicated relationship with fossil fuels because it is your mandate not to invest in companies that have big uh, carbon footprints. How have you managed a rally that a lot of people say will continue at a time when it kind of goes against some of your mandate? Well, since the, the, the fund is, is based on, on revenues from oil and gas, the uh, department decided that we should not invest in pure upstream oil companies. So but what we do do is to invest in the integrated energy companies. And I think that's a good place to be. They are play a very, very important role in the in the energy transition. And uh, and so we continue to have big investments there. Have you increased allocations on this wager that they're going to have an even bigger role as people realize that it will take fossil fuels to get to the other side that people think of as a cleaner energy future? Well, just for the moment, we have we have to be equal with them. Going forward, a lot of people are talking about a potential downturn in equities. We had Bob Prince at Bridgewater on yesterday talking about a potential 20% decline and an earnings bubble in stocks. Considering that you were such a big investor of public equities globally, how are you playing this? Do you agree with that assessment? <laughs> you know, I think it's the first time that I've seen such potentially very different outcomes. I mean, normally I have one strong view here. I think there is a potential that the whole thing could muddle through. And the reason for that is because people are already so cautious. There's so much talk about recession. And typically, uh, you know, the market wants to do one thing, it's to steal your money. And the way to steal your money now is actually to go up. Having said that, I think the big, big uncertainty this year is what will happen with global inflation when China kicks in. Uh, I think it will be inflationary. And there is a risk that we could see an acceleration of inflation again on the back of that. That would be really bad for markets. Well, what would be the diversification that could help from an investor standpoint in that scenario? Well, so the problem in that kind of scenario, you're not going to make money anywhere. So, um, you know, if that happens, you would lose money. You would probably lose money in the in the bond market. You lose money in the equity market. You lose money in the um, in the real estate market. So, do you? I, I just don't think there is any place to hide there. What about cash? I mean, are you increasing some of your cash just to sort of be nimble in a situation like that? No, we don't really. We, we, it's not really our mandate to have a lot of cash. We are uh, freely invested. It's kind of a, a fraught moment then if you think that everything could potentially do very badly. Well, we, you know, we are a very long-term investor. We invest with like a 40 to 100-year time horizon. And so we have to sit through some of this, this volatility. Uh, that's that's life. Oh. The Norwich Bank Investment Management's Chief Executive Officer Nikolai Tenga. And then coming up, the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz says he's confident his country can avoid a recession this year. We bring you that exclusive conversation next. This is Bloomberg.
SimplyTradingMarkets.com, your unique multi-asset platform, AI analyst data. Only a trading platform? Discover our new app, where everyone can trade, daily trading, daily trends, community of experts, um. 3 million plus registered members, 63 million plus open trades, global trading, down to a... Yeah, so the stop loss for the Aussie dollar guys, um... <laughs> is uh, 6968, so just uh, two times the spread below the slow in here. So we're in a bit of profit on the trade, hopefully we'll <laughs> squeeze up to these highs <coughs> and start making new highs above the 7036, that's what we'd like to see happen. I don't really have an opportunity just yet in any of the other trades. We're inching a little bit closer as far as oil's concerned. Let's just see how oil's behaving around this price. So we've got this little little range in here around the 8160. Right, so the 80-80 yeah, stop loss, we'll open up a deal ticket. And again, it's more expensive to trade markets like gold and oil, so make sure you... you you turn down your, uh, yeah, 6968, 0 0.6968, yes. A stop loss in that Aussie dollar trade. So if we get if we get above that 8167, we can pretty much get into it. Trading at its best. This data update is brought to you by HKEX. Connecting to get in above these highs. Okay, it's beginning to roll over now. So we've got our deal ticket open on US oil. See if we get above that 8160 level. Of the future. We've got a nice move above the 8160, and then you'd expect the continuation that didn't arrive. So maybe we get that move now, and then we can pull the trigger. Russian gas to, to Germany and Europe and 
but we succeeded with Fila. All the decisions we took to, 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 to fill our storage capacities with gas, that we put 20 coal plants back to work uh, in producing electricity, in using the Norwegian and gas and the Dutch gas, and in using the capacities of Western European plant uh, ports, and building new LNG ports at the northern shore of Germany. And the first one was opened in the end of last year after two days of work. The next one last week and the um, come will be opened okay. next week. Do you think, Joshua, that that is enough for next year? It, Europe has avoided a gas crisis, this an energy crisis. We have to get above that sort of 81, 60 level. Because of the, not a nice warm weather, although Berlin seems to be an exception at the moment. For all those reasons, we've got away with it this year. Next year, do you think that you can get through without blackouts? You're giving up nuclear power. You're giving up a lot of that gas that you had this year. I'm sure that we will be able to go through the situation again. And this is because we are constantly increasing our capacities for importing gas from the northern German ports. And this will not stop with the things we did already, it will continue and uh, we will build a capacity that gives us the chance to have as much gas as we had uh, before uh, this war uh, and are able to import it without importing gas from Russia. Well, that's the German Chancellor Obershot speaking exclusively to Bloomberg editor Chief John Nicholswaite in Berlin. Now, later today, we also hear from the European Parliament President Roberta Mitzel, so don't miss that conversation, of course, a huge one, not only on spending, following uh, some of the scandals that we've seen in Brussels, but of course, a big conversation on Ukraine. Now, the business and financial elite on Davos here to discuss urgent global issues, and earlier we spoke to the State Street Chief Executive, Ron O'Hanley. He told me what his outlook is for 2023. It's still early, I think, to to say that it's that it's all over. Um, I think that if, if you think about the United States, I mean, you still have a, a, a very very tight labor market in most areas. Uh, that tends to provide inflationary pressure. Uh, you've got uh, the situation in China uh, with COVID, and we just don't know if that will result in any kind of uh, production problems that will become inflationary. You still have a lot of fiscal stimulus that's working its way through the system uh, and will result in at least uh, what, what it'll have good impact, things like the Inflation Reduction Act, but in my mind, it's too early to be optimistic. Uh, and then lastly, maybe most importantly, there's a lot of geopolitical risk out there. Uh, and we just don't know what's going on in Ukraine yet in terms of what that outcome will be. And by the way, in the United States, uh, the potential for a debt ceiling fight. So first of all, how do you view the US debt ceiling issue? Is this something that could turn ugly? Or we talk about the 24th hour, could we go into the 25th? And could we even see the US downgrade? Yeah, um, the idea that we're even talking about this after what we've seen in the past, uh, to me, is very disappointing. Um, this is about uh, money that we've already spent, money that we've already borrowed, and that we need to actually honor that. So this is not the way uh, a political fight should occur. Right, okay, just looking to pull the trigger really on uh, US oil. Until it gets very close. Just, um, if we just pinch a little bit higher, we'll be getting into that trade. Actually, we're not going to pay our bills. 
We don't want this market to just run into resistance at these levels. We want to try and get in above it if we can. So I think um, I'm actually optimistic about China. I think the Biden administration has done very good work with, uh, with China. Um, I think there's a recognition that, that there could be some select decoupling there needs to be. Um, if you think about chips and things like that, and these are these are two major trading partners, and China is an important trading partner to the rest of the world. So some of the uh, personnel moves that apparently have been made in China, I think, are strong signals. So. Um, again, it's far from over, and uh, it's not the situation that we enjoyed you know, back in the uh, mid of the last decade, but I, I'm more optimistic about that from a geopolitical perspective. But that was the State Street Chief Executive Officer Ron Bohannon speaking to me earlier. Coming up, the live in Davos for the World Economic Forum. Don't miss Max Crane's interview with Nigeria's Finance Minister Zainab Ahmed. That's next, and this is Bloomberg. Okay, just waiting to get into this US oil trade, but it's not really letting us in. Okay, we're still looking for that trigger to get into. It's just drifting sideways up these higher levels, so might get a nice explosive move eventually. So let's see if we can add. Economic times, 
U.S. oil. Right. Here we go. Let's see if we just get above. Another tick higher, and we're in. Francine, yeah, addressing comments from Aramco, and that's where capacity. Let's see, does that shift the oil market? It's relevant to Nigeria, it's relevant to the budget, it's relevant there we go. to oil. There's a. Okay, that took a little while to fill, which is a bit strange. Okay, we're at, we are in the one minute time frame, so. So we're able to get into the Aussie dollar and US oil. If I show you the where our stop loss is. Uh, have we got a stop loss? And Right. So there's our stop loss at the uh, the eighty seventy four level, just below these lows in here, and um, hopefully on to the upside, further upside in U.S. oil. So as demand begins to increase, it's likely to push the price of oil higher over the short term. So it was the trade we were looking at yesterday, but we had an awful lot of resistance to navigate, and now we can pull the trigger and get into the upside. So just a little pause there. Um, look, we'll wrap it up for the trading session there, guys, if that's okay. Um, sort of not much follow through or any direction really across the US indices, so we can give that a bit of time. We're in US oil to the upside. We're also in the Aussie dollar. We're able to wait and be patient, get in on that pullback, so hopefully that will <coughs> turn into a good trade. Uh, dollar Swiss didn't give us an opportunity really, neither did uh, pound dollar just yet. So we'll ease ourselves into the Aussie. So just to clarify, for, clar for clarification purposes, and uh, I'm gonna post this trade as well. Uh, just bear with me a second. <clears throat> Just 
Never feet. Okay, um, so look, we're getting some upside now and the beauty about this potential buy trade, um, we were willing to be nice and patient, is that um, all these levels of support, uh, sorry, resistance preventing prices from pushing higher, we're now above those levels. So it's just a case of buying above resistance uh, and selling below support. And this is what we're doing with this trade. We're buying above resistance. There's a lot of resistance in at these levels. And anywhere inside this, this kind of zone uh, represents, you know, a bit of a challenge uh, because it's very much range bound. Once you start getting above these sorts of levels here, which we are technically, we'd probably only expect, you know, perhaps initially a move up to to the $83 level uh, and potentially up to $84, $85. So that's what we're looking to see happen. And it's, uh, we've got these lows in here. So it's kind of <coughs> supported. Um, and maybe we'll get <coughs> a decent move today, <coughs> excuse me, in this market. All right, guys. Um, so look, we've, we're able to sort of get into to, to a couple of trades now this morning, which is good. Um, when we get the opportunity, we do like getting into trades during the the uh, European trading session because uh, it means we can sort of ride them for the trading day. Um, obviously, if you're trading, if you're getting into your trades in the latter part of the European trading day, you know, three, four, five o'clock in the evening, you know, you don't have much time to make that much progress uh, ordinarily, but. Um, when you get into them in the morning, you know, hopefully they'll 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 start making higher highs or lower lows, whatever the case may be, and, and we'll start seeing a bit of a a portfolio of trades begin to sort of develop and shape, and that's kind of what we're kind of building. We've, we've got risk on trades across the US indices, um, and that's likely to support um, the price of oil, and we're likely to see the dollar to continue to weaken. So. Hopefully, they're, they're all sort of playing their little part at this moment in time. And hopefully, we'll make some profit out of these trades. Just a bit disappointing on the US industry side, but um, I suppose we can't, we can't be too greedy at the minute. So, look, if, the, if there's anything else, guys, feel free to post them and let us know. Uh, that's right, the 8074 is the stop loss on US oil. So, it's just basically below today's daily low. So we can expect, again, we have the ATR. It's been on the daily time frame. The ATR is basically down to $2.20. Um, the range that we've seen so far today is a 130 pip range. So if you just look at the ATR, we've got another another hundred uh, pips or another dollar to the upside, 
quite comfortably up to 8,300 is where we'd expect um, with the potential to sort of, this is an average, the problem is with average true range, it's an average. So, um, you know, we might be able to, to squeeze higher than that. So that's our trade. Um, and there's nothing really to add to these trades. We've just got to give them a bit of time now. We've got PPI due out this afternoon, so um, that might prove, um, that might give these markets another another bit of a boost. Hopefully. So look, on that note, guys, um, let's let's hope we get a bit of, bit of movement out of these trades. So look, we let you go there. If there's any further questions, don't hesitate to post them, and hopefully we'll book in profits over the course of the trading day. We've been really selective over the last couple of weeks and, and we're, it feels like we're needing to do that again. So that's what we're pretty much doing, sort of cherry picking some decent opportunities for us. Great stuff. So listen, on that note, guys, absolutely my pleasure. Uh, just hope to ease yourselves into some decent trades now this morning. So for everyone here at the Live Trade Room, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we'll, of course, be back <coughs> at 12.45 for the US trading session. So if you can join us for that, uh, do so. We'll see you soon. Um, great stuff, guys. Absolutely my pleasure. Just, just hope they turn into some decent profitable trades now. Uh, I'm sure they will because we've kind of We've waited quite patiently for the trades. So um, hopefully some decent trades now for us. Great stuff. On that note, take care. We'll see you at lunchtime. Bye for now.